today our president is called a national day of prayer for Texas. And we know that Texas is really hurting. I mean, I've never seen devastation like that. And so, and other towns are getting hit besides Houston. So uh, if you could, would you stand with me for a moment and let's pray for uh, Texas, if you can. If you can't, that's fine. Father, Lord, our hearts are broken because of the devastation, the loss of lives and homes and cars and businesses. And Lord, we just pray that today that you would bless them, that you would help them, and you would supply their every need. And Lord, give them comfort in the hour of need. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you look down there and you see all these houses and you just see them run, I mean, uh, I forget, they said probably a million cars are destroyed. And I don't know how many homes and all that. So, you know, when you see something like that, I walk through my house and I thank God that, you know, that I've got a good place to stay. I've got water. Uh, I've got sewer. I've got a roof over my head and a bed to sleep in. And so if you can, you need to help uh, send something to the district to help out. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, St. Matthew uh, chapter 10. And uh, Ben must have awful strong eyes because I can't hardly see with my glasses on. But you know, in, in Matthew 28, when the Lord said, Go ye into all the world, there's a harvest out there. And that's what I want to talk about today, the harvest. And the need for people to work for Jesus. The Bible said work while it's called day because night's coming. And when night comes, we're not going to be able to work. The door's going to be shut. And you know, they, uh, like North Korea, they said they got a hydrogen bomb they can hit the United States with. And when we look at all these things, you look around, you see, you see floods, you see fires, you see hurricanes, you see all kinds of devastation. So we know that we've got a short time to work because soon this world, with mad men in charge, this world, bombs are going to start dropping. And, and war is not a, a good thing, and it's never good to see lives lost no matter what the race or creed is. But we have to understand something. We need to be ready. It doesn't make the day or hour, it makes no difference when you die. You could die in the middle of the night, you could die in the morning, afternoon, evening. It doesn't make any difference as long as you're ready to meet Jesus. And that's the cry to the world. Be ready when He comes because He's coming in an instant. You're not going to have time to make amends, apologize, pray. He's going to come, and we need to be ready. The Bible says in Matthew 9, did I say 9 a while ago? Verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now the Lord just went about teaching the Word of God. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. And you know, we've got away from believing in miracles. 
Our God is still a miracle worker. There was a pastor this morning, a friend of mine on Facebook, and he talked about all the surgeries he had. He was a policeman. Everything was going good. He was chasing a suspect one day in Louisville, and a couple days later he had a big knot show up on his thigh. He didn't pay much attention to it because men are like that. Well, it was cancer, so they cut that out, and at each end of the surgery there was two more. They cut those out, and there was three. Altogether, he's had 17 tumors. But today, he has a good report, and probably right now, he's standing in his pulpit preaching the Word of God. That's what our miracle-working God can do. But you know what? We don't trust him like we should. And so we're going to maybe not talk a whole lot about that because I want to get to what I want to preach. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. This is Jesus talking. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray you therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into the harvest. Now, what I want to talk to you today about is the harvest. And how many of you in here planted gardens this year? You planted gardens, you planted tomatoes or cucumbers or something. How many know the harvest is about over? Now, there'll be a, some in the fall, but harvest is about over. It's end time. The Lord is coming back soon. And what does He want? He wants you and I to be witnesses for Him. He wants you and I to be effective to witness for Him. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. Nowhere in the Bible does it say... Preacher, you go. Hello. Can I get an amen? It doesn't say preacher go. It doesn't say elder go. It says go you into all the world. Now, you know, we're living in a different world than we used to live in, the world that I grew up in. I'm 72. I was 72. And Leslie, I think, is same age. We have the same birthday, so we must be about the same age. <laughs> and you can tell her I said so. But this is not the world I grew up in. Used to, people would knock on your doors. And today, the only one that ever knocks on the door is Jehovah Witnesses, seem like. That's the only ones I've ever had to come by the house is Jehovah Witness. Now, we can criticize them, and we can say they're a cult, but one thing they're good at is getting people into their kingdom. Not God's kingdom, their kingdom. But you and I are to get them into the kingdom of God. How many of you in here have a computer? Not a trick question. How many of you have Facebook? All right. How many of you know that can be an effective tool to witness for God? And I want to tell you, Pastor Ben and Sister Leslie are not going to have as much impact as getting people into the church as you are. Hello. And I want to tell you why. They are the shepherds of the flock. They are here to preach the word of God. But the sheep beget sheep. And you have friends that don't go to church. And you can invite them. Where Ben and Leslie, they have a limited amount of people that they can invite. But they invite their friends. But what if everyone in here... One, 
brought one person to church next Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, that person brings another one with them. It wouldn't be long till the church is full. But you know what? We are laborers. We're, we're, uh, uh, we become lazy as Christians. Christians have become so lazy and, and we're afraid to witness anymore. We're afraid somebody's going to get mad at us. Somebody's going to cuss us out. Somebody's going to turn us away. But that does not uh, lessen the impact of telling them about Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to go to heaven. I want my family to go with me. I, I want my friends to go with me. But you know what? I have to invite them to church. You, you know, I'm, I'm on Facebook, and uh, I was laid up for quite a while with my knees. I, I've had five knee operations. I had to give up pastoring because I couldn't visit the hospital, and they, they tried to get me to stay, but I didn't just want to be there to get a paycheck. That's not what it's about. I was there to minister the gospel and go to the hospitals, and that's what your pastors and elders should do, and I know they do, is to go to the hospital. But you and I have a great responsibility. If we look out here and we see the harvest is ripe. Now, I'll guarantee you there's people that let their harvest run, ripe on the vine, and fall off and be good for nothing because they did not go and pick it. There's people that's going to hell because we the church have failed to reach out to them. We have failed our responsibility to say, look, you know, uh, I'm not perfect. Anybody in here perfect? It's like my, uh, my mentor that's been dead a long time. He said he went to the graveyard and he said he was there crying over the grave. And, the, and the, he said, is that your mother? No, still crying. Is that your father? No, or mother, or whatever. <laughs> your baby? No. Who is it? He said, my wife's first husband. Amen. You know, because they compare. Perfect, you know. Well, this one's perfect. That one's perfect. There's no preacher on this earth that's perfect. We have thoughts like you do, but we have to battle those thoughts. Amen. We have to understand something. We're human. You talk about us, it hurts. You smack us, it hurts. You leave the church, it hurts. Because you're a sheep that's gone that has the potential to win others to Christ. Now, if we look at the Bible and we see what God says in His Word, we have a great responsibility. You think about this. You know, I have a, I had a good friend, and I, I witnessed to him and prayed for him. One day he called me, and he'd had a stroke. He's driving down the road. He has to stop because he can't see the road. He, uh, he, get, he finally gets over to this other place and he calls me to come and take me to the hospital. Time I got him there, it was really too late. And you know, I tried my best. I would pray for him. I would pray with him. But 
that does not cause him to become a Christian. And he died. And I felt so broken hearted because I spent a lot of time with him. But you know, some people are so hard that they don't see the need for Christ until it's too late. And we, and we as Christians, we got a responsibility. I, I could not get him to go to church. I could not get him to pray the sinner's prayer. But I tried. And that's what God wants us to do is to try. He, he, you know, you're not going to win everybody. And sometimes you're going to witness to somebody and witness to them and witness to them. And they're going to go to another church and get saved. And then you get mad. Amen. I've had people say, well, I've been witness to them and they went up to uh, church X and got saved. Well, praise God. That's another in the kingdom of God. It's not the church you go to. It's where the gospel's preached. If the gospel's preached, you ought to go there. I, I wouldn't go to a church where the gospel's not preached. And, and, and you know, in America, we've got this uh, syndrome uh, that everybody's going to go to heaven. No judgment, no hell. Everybody's going to heaven. Well, I'm going to tell you, that goes against God's word. That's not what God's word says. The God, God's word said, repent. And be baptized. Amen. And so many times people get saved, but they, they put off baptism, uh, water baptism. And then there's the baptism of the Holy Ghost that gives us power for service. It's not power that we're better than another church. It's not because we speak in other tongues, but it's because we love Jesus. Amen. And we want to go the extra mile. Now, everybody don't want to go the extra mile. Uh, you know, I was raised in a Baptist church, and 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 uh, 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 first day of the year, I went and visited that church. We didn't have church till two o'clock. I drove up to Ona, West Virginia. I remember that old church. It probably wasn't as big as this, and it was sitting beside the road, just a, by, beside the creek. And I tell somebody, your road out here is almost interstate compared to the the two-lane highway up in Ona. And so I went up there. And, you know, I remember them as a boy preaching the gospel. Guess what? They're still preaching the gospel. They're still reaching out. And the, the old church is gone. They have a big, beautiful structure. And, and, and I was surprised at how many people, they were in the country, and, and it's probably not as big as your town is here, maybe. And that church was packed out because they, they believe in going. And if we don't go, who's going to go? You know, Isaiah said, who's going to go, Lord? Who's going to go? And then finally Isaiah realized, he said, here I am, Lord, send me. How many of you are ready to go for God and not ask him to send somebody else? Or let somebody else do it. Have you ever heard that? I can't remember all of it. Let somebody do it. And uh, somebody didn't do it, so somebody else is supposed to do it. It never gets done. When you see something needs to be done, guess what? You're the one to see that it gets done. You don't count on somebody else. You know, I can't wait till uh, Franklin Graham comes to uh, race in Kentucky to uh, hold a crusade because he's not coming. Amen. He's not coming. He might go to Huntington. But what I'm saying to you, we cannot wait on somebody to come and win our loved ones to Christ. The harvest is ripe. Matter of fact, the harvest is almost over. 
I mean, you think about it. Have you ever seen destruction like you've seen in the last year? That flood in Texas, they never had one like that anywhere before. Can you imagine? How many of you have you ever been to Houston and see the water over houses? It breaks my heart. The fires in Oregon, California, burning homes. In order to make us as Christians weep over America. How long has it been since you've prayed? God send revival. God send revival to uh, what town are we in? <laughs> Can, huh? Quincy? Okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't know if it was Kentucky Heights because Leslie told me it was Kentucky Heights and everybody was giving me directions and I'm driving up and down the highway and I went down to the General Dollar store probably three or four times and went over down there somewhere and went up here somewhere and, and finally I made it. I got a hold of Pastor Ben and I said, I'm lost. And I, I, I appreciate it. I said, I hope you tell him I, I'll get there. And so I got here and I'm glad to be here. I, I love Ben and Leslie. I remember when Ben got saved. I remember when Leslie said, I'd never go to a Pentecostal church. I remember when she said, I'd never date that old man. I, I remember all that. And, and yeah, Amen. And, and so, you, you know, God's good, isn't he, Ernie? Our, our God is so good. And, and we've got to realize, is, how many of you believe that God woke you up this morning? You, you know, the breath that you just took is yours. The next one has to come from God. And when we realize that. Now, when you read the paper in the morning... If you read the, the death notices, you're going to see people that die. Maybe friends of yours. Maybe someone in your family. Uh, I've I seen this, where this shooting was in Huntington. Uh, and, and this black lady, Sheila Eanes, I grew up with her and her family. And right across the street just about, her cousin got Shot. Two people got shot. Huntington is the number one city, I believe, for heroin, is the way they talked or, or the other stuff. I grew up in Huntington. That's not the Huntington I grew up in. That's not the city that I lived in. But you know what's going to change it? Only God. You, you, can, you, can, you can put money into it. You can go out and revive them. And I, I think now they're overdosing on... Uh, Purpose, because they know somebody will, will, will give them a, a shot and revive them. But you know the only thing that's going to revive them and make them whole is the man called Jesus. The man that walked the streets of Galilee preaching the word of God and going into the temple and, and throwing out the money changers and, and tell them, you know my house, you know, it's a house of prayer, but you've made the den of thieves. Let's turn it back into a house of prayer again. Let us pray like we've never prayed before. Let us seek God like we've never sought Him before. Let's get in the Spirit and pray. And let's get us out there and, and, and invite our friends uh, by the telephone. Uh, you know, the telephone don't have to be used for gossip. You know, sometimes I'll see people on, on Facebook and says, uh, you know, i got to get off here because the drama. You don't have to get off because of the drama. There's a, a, a delete button that you can delete them. 
I've had to delete some of my family. And some of my family deleted me because I was for the uh, uh, other candidate than they were for. Does it bother me? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, your family deletes you. My mother came to hear me preach one time. I used to be wild preaching. And my mother came and and first thing I did, took off my tie. I took off my jacket. My mother left. She said, I thought she was going to undress. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you, you ever get any wild preaching? Sometimes I can get wild, but I tell you, I've come on a mission this morning. I've come to give you what God wanted me to give you. I, I asked the Lord, you know, and, and the first thing when Sister Leslie asked me if I could come down here, and I told her I could, the Lord spoke into my spirit about this message this morning. And so if we will reach out, I believe this. I believe that a healthy church is a growing church. Amen. Now, you might not never reach, you're not going to be a, a super church in this in this area. You, you'll never be a, a, a mega church. But you can be a church filled with love. When, when people come in, you make them feel welcome. It's like this, uh, this guy went to church. He's dressed in jeans and cowboy boots. And the pastor came back to him after church and said, Hey, if you're going to come to church, said, you're going to have to dress different. said, you can't come into our church dressed like this. Next Sunday, the old boy was back dressed the same way. The preacher said, you go home and you pray. And you come back next Sunday dressed different. Well, the next Sunday, the old boy come back. And the uh, preacher said, I thought I told you to dress different. And I told you to pray. He said, I did. He said, the Lord said, he's been trying to get in this church for 10 years and they won't let him in. <laughs> Amen? Now, you know, I have, I have a friend. I haven't seen her for a long time. She lived in, I think it was New Orleans, going to school down there. She was part of a big church. I mean, a mega church. I won't tell you. I won't tell you the name of the denomination. But she went to this mega church. And she didn't have the money to dress like the elite <laughs> dressed. And she had to sit in the basement of the church. Now, if it had been me, I'd have left. I wouldn't have went back. God is not looking at what you have on. God's looking at what's in here. Do you love the sinner? What if somebody comes in and they don't look like you? They look different. Are you going to throw them out? What if they smell like cigarettes? And if you smoke, that's between you and God, not between me and you. What if they come in dressed different? Now sometimes there might be a problem. I, I had a problem one Sunday preaching on Easter lady sitting on the front row with a very short dress and not sitting very woman like now that's different how many of you know that's different 
The Lord gives us intelligence to dress right. Now, if it's jeans, if it's a t-shirt, our pastor this morning is wearing a, a golf shirt like our brother back there in the orange has on, and uh, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I'm from the old school. How many of you know uh, the old school is different than the new school? Uh, <laughs> I'm old school. My son all the time tells me, Dad, you're old school. I say, son, I'm glad I am. Amen. And I, I like the new school, but I'm old school. That's why when I go to preach, I, I wear a tie. It doesn't make me better than anybody else, but it's just how I feel like on Sunday morning. Now, Sunday night, Wednesday night's different, but I, Sunday morning to me is a day that I dress up. And, and I don't dress up to think somebody that I'm better than somebody else, but I dress up because it's what I've done since the Lord saved me. Now, how many of you are saved in here? Just You don't even have to raise your hand, but just... Just say, God, I, I'm saved. I'm ready to meet you if you'd come today. And what if you could not say that? You know, I preached a funeral for Sister Payne uh, last Saturday. If, and I said, if I draw a picture of a saint, it'd be Sister Payne. Before they got sick, they, they'd come every service from... Willersburg to the church and she'd come in she couldn't even stand up I mean she was had got so humped over and I don't even know how she made, she'd come to church but she'd bring her her, uh, her uh, cane and she'd come to church she was a great mother she was a great uh, wife great grandmother and she loved the church and loved God now, I want you to think about this for a moment. What if one of your friends that you never witnessed to dies tonight? Where would they spend eternity? You ever think about that? You know, I went into full-time evangelism. And the reason I did that years ago, I was laying in bed. And I had a dream. And it wasn't a pizza dream. I've had pizza dreams. Have you ever had a pizza dream? They're not from God. I mean, <laughs> you fall out of bed or snakes chase you or something. That's not God. That's you ate too much pizza. <laughs> but in this dream, I've seen people just coming to the edge of hell and going in and the Lord said I've called you to preach now I didn't want to preach I loved what I did in the church I just helped park cars whatever I was a young man I'd go out we had special service we didn't have much parking we'd have to park them a certain way and a friend of mine my mentor was preaching one night and the Lord said that's what you should be doing. And, and I thought, well, that, that's a rebuke. He, he's a great preacher. I mean, this man has seen people raised from the dead. He's prayed for them. They've died, and he's prayed for them, and they've come back to life. And uh, the Lord said, no, you're not to take his place 
but you're going to preach my gospel. And I tell you what, no greater privilege than preaching the gospel. No greater privilege than being a Christian. Be all you can be for, to be a Christian. Live your life that somebody will say, uh, you know, they might say, I don't like you. I don't like your religion, but I appreciate the way you live. Now, how many of you know that's what it's about? Is living so that others can see the life that you're living. Uh, could we, Dusty, could we have some music here for a moment? I'm going to close. And I hope that you've enjoyed this. I've given you what I feel the Lord wants me to give you. But I'm just wondering today. You're here. You're sitting here. And maybe, maybe you were like me. And you got to hold that pew or seat in front of you. And you tried to squeeze it in too. Because the power of God was calling you to come home. If you're lost today and you don't know Jesus, I would ask you to come pray. And if you're concerned about lost, the lost people, I, I'd like to see some of you, just some of you saints come up here and pray for the lost people if you can. You can pray at the seats or pray wherever. But I'd just like to see some of you come and pray. And, and while you're before you before you leave your seat, you go go ahead. I want you to reach over to somebody and ask them, "Hi, Mama, how you doing? Appreciate you this morning. Do you need prayer for anything? What do you need prayer for? Ask somebody that. Ask them if they have a need today, and if they do, pray for them right there before you get up and come pray. Father, I just thank you for this wonderful child of God I pray that you'd touch her body that you'd give her strength that you'd help her in every endeavor that she seeks to do and you'd minister by your spirit and by your power in the name of Jesus Amen Amen. Praise the Lord I'd like to see a few more people come pray if you could and you would uh, if not just pray in your seat for a few moments Father I just thank you for the privilege of ministering your word. And I pray for every individual that's here. And I pray that maybe that said something that would help somebody. Lord, because when I look and see the harvest field, I see people dying every day and going into eternity, lost and undone without God. Lord, lives are being lost. Homes are being lost. Cars are being lost. Houses and cars can be replaced, but people cannot. So I pray, God, I pray for America. I pray that you would just bless America one more time. Lord, I'm proud of our president for calling us for a national day of prayer. Lord, we need that. But we just don't need it in crisis, Lord. We need it, we need it regularly we're, that we're called to prayer. Oh, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. If there's anyone in here this morning, and I'm not looking around, you're lost. Everybody, please close your eyes for a moment. And you're lost, just raise your hand. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm not going to call you out, but I just want to know, is there someone in here concerned about their soul? Are you concerned 
that you're not living right, that you're going to miss the Lord when He comes if you're not ready. And if you're not ready, I ask you to get up now. I would beg you. I would plead with you. I would... I heard Jimmy Swagger make a, make a, sta- a statement one time. He was in Huntington, and I was on the platform with him, Huntington. And he said, if it would cause people to get saved, he said, I would push a peanut on my nose from here to Charleston. What would we do to see somebody saved? How humble are we that we can just love people and say, Lord, I love them. They're different, but I love them. I pray for them. I just feel somebody in here today has a great burden on their heart. You have a burden for souls, but you don't know how to express yourself. If you'd come, I'd like to pray with you and ask the Lord to help you. Because the Lord can help you. The Lord can give you boldness. The Lord can touch your body and heal it. If you need prayer for anything, I'd ask that you come this morning. I know this wasn't a fiery sermon, but I just have to give you what God gave me. I can't give you nothing else, nothing less. Just what God gave me. And I believe this. I believe you're going to see a harvest in this church.